Before I read a few verses of scripture, I'd like to have your attention just for a moment. Everything that takes place on this campus is intended to help you get an education. There isn't a song. There isn't a meal, sir. You know, uh, while you're eating lunch and dinner and breakfast, while you're eating your meals, uh, you're supposed to be uh, getting your education. Uh, this chapel program, while it's intended for an inspirational program, it has practical value when it comes to your Christian training. There is no platform on which I stand where I have a greater sense of responsibility than I have here. In a few days, I'll be up in Lewiston in Auburn, Maine, preaching in the city auditorium in a revival campaign. I'll not preach a single sermon while I'm there uh, when I'll have a heavier burden of responsibility than I have when I come here to chapel. Because here before me, uh, nearly 3,000 young people that are here to get your Christian training. And this institution is going to largely shape your slant on life and direct your slant on life. So this is tremendously important. Now, I've tried this year harder than ever before to bring you what I thought God wanted you to have at chapel. And so far, I have been conscious of a very definite leadership of the Spirit. And I believe the Spirit's leading us in what I want to emphasize this morning. Now, you listen closely to the Scripture. And he said unto the disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. Well, that's wrong. That's wrong. He had no business wasting his goods. The wastefulness of this age is a sin. Somebody told me that years ago, Dwight L. Moody was holding a revival campaign in the city, and he walked down the street and found where somebody had dropped a track. A gospel tract in the mud. He took it up and dusted off said, what a, what a sin to waste a thing like this. We're living the most wasteful age in the history of the world. We have a wasteful government. We become wasteful people. It was a sin to waste goods. It was not right. Wastefulness is a sin. In our dining room here, we insist on no waste. We're handling God's money. We're spending God's money. In fact, all money is God's money. You don't have one single cent of money in your pocket that doesn't belong to God. The realm of the coin is God's money. It's not only his hands, but it's his money. You have a dollar in your pocket. You got it to the bank, and the bank got to the mint, and the mint got out of the mine, and God Almighty put it in the mine. It's not right to waste. You, you young people ought to start in now while you're young and see to it there's no waste. You know, this institution could bankrupt itself in ten, in five years' time by wastefulness. You go up and down this country and find the average school on the average campus, dirt and trash and property destroyed. The most dilapidated property in the world is the average college property. They cut their names on everything, destroy property. It is satanic. All destructive attitudes of people's a satanic attitude. Construction is... God's method. There was wastefulness. You had no right to waste it. So somebody said you have a steward that's uh, wasting your uh, substance, throwing it away. Prodigal son wasted his substance in riotous living. This wastefulness is a mark of depravity. It's a sign of a sinful attitude. Always. All right. And he called him and said unto him, sent for this steward, and asked him this question. How is it that I hear this of thee? 
Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. You're going to be fired. He fired him for wastefulness. I think that's all right. Now, this man was not a godly man, I'll show you before I get through. He was a purely a worldly man. But he said, you're not going to waste this stuff around here. You know, we could throw away every meal in the dining room. We could throw away $50 and never know it. We can save $50 a meal sometimes and have better food than if we just by being a little careful. We never go to sleep on this campus at night without knowing exactly what it costs to feed you during the day. It's estimates made in advance for every meal, and then at the end of the day, before Mr. Johnson sleeps at night, those figures are checked. I remember one time in Florida, when we started the school off, they, about break, they were breaking the school with extravagance in the dining room, kitchen. We checked it. Miss Jones and I sat up at night to cut the corners and see what we could do. Listen, you couldn't eat uh, once a day in the, at the average restaurant. One meal a day, what you eat three meals here for. It's almost unbelievable in this country what, how little it costs you to eat here. But let me tell you, it costs somebody else something. It costs mental sweat and mental strain, mental agony and carefulness. So this man said, you're going to get fired for your wastefulness. Then the steward said within himself, that's the way men always talk, you know, within themselves. He said, I'm up against it. I'm on the spot. What shall I do? The Lord's going to take away my stewardship. I'm going to get fired. He said, I can't work. I've been loafing. I can't dig. Shame to beg. You know, I'd, he's more respectable than some people I know. A lot of people in this country panhandle and don't have to panhandle. I got a letter not long ago from somebody begging for some money. And I wrote him, I said, see the Salvation Army or go to a certain charitable organization. I haven't time to investigate. Easy things to send you a little money, but that's not right always. So the man said, I've been to the Salvation Army. I've been to everybody else in this country. They won't help you. No, they won't do anything for you. See? I had his number right away. Mel Trotter said, I have seen a many a religious bum, but he said, I've never met a Christian tramp. Mel Trotter worked in the underworld with bums for years. David said, once I was young and now I'm old, but I never saw the righteous forsaken their seed begging bread. fellow said, I'm ashamed to beg. You know, he's pretty respectable. And I was a boy, you'd almost starve for you'd beg. We had no beggars in my country. Well, I'll tell you now, listen, when I was a boy, I would have gone out in the woods and uh, scratched in the ground and eaten some of the roots from the trees before I'd have been. You know, there's something wrong as a rule when a fellow begs. If you are right and shoot straight and what you ought to be, you don't have to beg. God had a prophet in the Old Testament that got down the mouth and the uh, fellow was out there all depressed and God saw a bird passing. He said, I want you to take a biscuit to that prophet of mine over here. My God shall supply all your needs and call riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some people may beg for you sometimes. Nothing said against that, but you begging. He said, I'm resolved uh, what I'll do. I've worked out the problem. He, he's using his native ability. Uh, when I'm put out of the stewardship, I'm going to fix myself. That's what I'm going to do. 
You know, in a human way, you have a little respect for this guy. He's up against it, and he turned his difficulty into what the world would call a stepping stone. He said, I'm going to lose a job, but... Now, he's crooked, I'm going to show. He wasn't straight. This fellow was crooked. But he said, I'm going to work it out. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll fix it. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much do you owe my Lord? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said, Then you can settle for fifty. Pay up and right now and give you a receipt. Then he said to another, and how much did I owe? He said, I own a hundred measures of wheat. said to him, all right, we'll settle right now. I'll fix it. I'll be good to you. He wasn't spending his money, however. He said, just write four score. Let's settle it. All right. Now listen. And the Lord committed the unjust to Not our Lord. Not Jesus Christ. God never commended wrongdoing. Bible nowhere condones sinning. His Lord, his boss, was a good sport. You know, I've known a lot of men in the world that are better sports than a lot of professed Christian people. So the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. He's done wisely from the world's standpoint. What is that standpoint? Take care of number one. That's the world's standpoint. Look out for yourself. Why do you care of anybody else? Take care, number one. That's the world's approach to all the problems of life. As far as this world's standards are concerned, the children of the world live up to their standards better than Christian people live up to theirs. We Christians are not children of the world. We're children of God, joined as with Jesus Christ, have citizenship in heaven. We don't belong in this world. We are pilgrims and strangers passing through it on our way to another land. This isn't our home. We have a home up yonder beyond the stars. We have a heavenly philosophy. The wisdom from above is different from the wisdom that comes from beneath. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Not peaceable and then pure. First pure, then peaceable. Listen, listen. The wisdom out of heaven doesn't have peace any price. It has purity any price. Wisdom from beneath is greedy and selfish. Grab and get. And, well, I'm going to take care of myself. That's right. That's the world's philosophy. How much does that man get? Oh, $10,000 a year. He's a success, the world said. He started with nothing. Look what he made. God Almighty doesn't measure you on by the standards of the world. God measures you by standards out of heaven, the wisdom from on high. First, purity, purity. Somebody said to me, that girl worked in a store. She just got $10 a week. That's all she ever made. Of course she went to the devil. What do you expect of her? I expect her to be good if she's starved. We're always passing the buck to some condition or surround. Listen, there never has been any human being 
in the history of the human race that was ever put on a spot where he had to do wrong about anything. They've had to lose their heads. They've had to die. They've had to go to prison. They've had to be fed to lions. They've been put in fiery furnaces. But God Almighty never makes any provision for wrongdoing for his people. Those two little words that I've tried to bind in the souls of every group of students that ever assembled in Bob Jones University from the first year until now are those two little burning words. Do right. That's the only thing to do about anything on God Almighty's earth. Do right. Do right. The world says, get efficiency, success. Lives up to its standards. I was greatly impressed the other day. Something happened. Mr. Johnson, our business manager, is a member of the uh, Association of Business Managers of Colleges and Universities in the South. He was invited to Miami, Florida to give them a message about the business methods of Bob Jones University. Our institutions attracted attention over the country. Anybody with any sense can walk by here and look at a university plant that was built in 13 months. There's never been anything like it in the history of the world as far as we know. It isn't accidental. And businessmen said, I wonder how they do it. How does it happen? So there they were from institutions all over America. Big universities, rich universities, endowed universities, modernistic universities, state universities. Mr. Johnson, in a simple, practical way, told them our story. And every business manager of every university was on his tiptoe mentally and was on the alert and asked him questions. When he told the story, they rushed up to shake hands with him. They carried his message in their magazine that came out recently. A few days ago, he was called up by the business manager over long distance from the big, the big university of this country. I want you to speak on another phase of business administration. Now, that's, that's sensible. Any man knows educational institutions must know that there's a reason why all these wonderful buildings are out here and we operate. Rumors have been put out ever since we've been in South Carolina that some other institution going to buy this plant. I said it'd be an awful thing for this school to come to South Carolina and spend 13 months building a plant and for some institution that may be been here a great many years. be rather peculiar sort of thing, wouldn't it? That rumor keeps getting out. fellow was down, I ran the man the other day in Dothan. Dothan, Alabama. I'm sitting at the table with him. He's from up north. And he said he was down in this town and not long ago. He said, have you sold your plants yet? And he gave me the name of a man and woman in this town that told him positively that this plant was being going to be sold right away. You know, they, they have a hard time explaining it. When a good businessman wants to know about it, he wants to understand. 
Go down to the bank. The bank says, uh, how about it? People want to know. Businessmen are on the alert. These business managers of these great schools may not agree with our religion. But they've got a world efficiency slant. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you use it for the glory of God. The Bible magnifies the right kind of business dealings. We are told not to be slothful in business. It's a sin to be slovenly and slothful in the business of Almighty God. Businessmen want to know. Suppose out here in our scientific laboratory we should find a remedy for a disease that's uh, been holding the world in script for generations. Suppose we just find something out here and cure tuberculosis. And we tried it out on about a thousand tubercular victims and cured every one of them. Jewish doctors, Catholic doctors, Protestant doctors, atheist doctors. They'd forget that Bob Jones University is an old-time Orthodox mourner's bench school. They'd say, let's get the remedy. How do they do it? That's how smart the world is. But you know, preachers are not like that. Ecclesiastical bosses are not like that. And you'd think instead of some of these ecclesiastical bosses in this country turning up their nose and criticizing the school, saying it doesn't belong to our machine, you'd think they'd be saying, I wonder how they do it. But they're not as smart as doctors and Businessman. Jesus said that. He said the devil's kids are wiser in that generation. They live up to their standards better. They practice their philosophy better. There's never been a mighty revival from the day of Pentecost until this day. Never has been one that shook the earth in all the history of the world. It didn't run over the ecclesiastical boss. Why, you know something? If there's a hound dog coming down this four-lane highway, barking fellas into the kingdom of God, I'd ask him to stop here for a chapel broke. And I'd put him in cap and gown, necessary. And I'd say, now you show these preacher boys how to bark. Get at it. How do you do it? not the way of the world. Most of the men in theological seminaries that are teaching young folks how to, man, how to preach never have preached in their lives. They can teach. They just, they can teach all right. They can tell you this Greek word means that and this Hebrew word means that and this means that. And they wouldn't bring a fellow in there like me, stand up there and lecture to them on how to get out after the people. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No. Jesus said that. You know, the more you study what Jesus says, the more wonderful his words were.
He spake as never man spake. When he came to this earth, they'd been asking the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and then they began to ask Jesus. They said, why don't he ask us? They've gone to ask him. Nothing wrong with the common people, never have been. Anything matter the common people, never has been. It's the bosses. Take the bosses in Washington, political bosses. I've been watching those political bosses up there. What do they do up in Boston? They put there on the ground, see which way the crowd's going. And sometimes the president, the president of the United States, gets in his nice, beautiful, lovely limousine and drives over and says, I'm very sorry, Marines. (laughs) Very sorry. What's the matter with the Marines? They are marching to the ballots and their kinfolks are going. And we want to stay in. And Jesus says they are smart. That is with the standards there. Congressmen and senators say, what do the folks back home think about it? That's the reason we have so many politicians and so few statesmen. Oh, Lord God, give us some men that will say what God won't say. There's never been a time in the history of the world's governments when we needed men in office who would be willing to be crucified for the right. And we need preachers like that. And official church members like that. I'd like to, for about one year's time, I'd like to pull the little word get out of the vocabulary of all the leaders of this country. And I'd like to bring that little word give in and set it on fire and make it burn in the hearts of the people. Give, 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 give. Our philosophy is not a getting philosophy. Forgiving philosophy. You think of Jesus Christ. He was crucified. Paul beheaded. The saints who have lighted the world in the midst of its darkness have been men and women that went through fire for God. And we've got a hothouse religion in this country. bunch of givers. The world lives up to its philosophy. You are called to do what? Preach. What is preaching? Giving, giving, giving. Pouring out, pouring out, burning out, burning out. Called to be a missionary. What for? Go, 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 go. 
Christianity is a going religion. Early days, the church went over the top. They began to kill them off. One day, some man got up, the moderator or the president or the head of the thing, and said, Gentlemen, I propose that we dig in. And they dug in. And they quit singing onward Christian soldiers, and somebody wrote the song, Hold the Fort. Sometimes it's necessary to hold the fort. But you don't win battles by just holding the fort. How'd you feel the other day when those fellows began to get off of boats and get up around those Koreans up there? Had a little tickle going up and down your backbone. They've been holding a little tail end of Korea down there. We all felt a little creepy. Might push him out in the water. But one day they said, let's send some fellows around and take it to the enemy. I told it the other day, I think maybe here to the preacher boys or somebody, maybe told here at chapel. When President Roosevelt became president, he went around to see Justice Holmes. Somebody said, to, said, Mr. Justice Holmes, will you tell me something that will help me in office as president? He said, take the fight to the enemy. The big man in the estimation of the ecclesiastical organizations of the fellows that had the big churches down there. Great central churches. That's not God's big man. God's big man of the fellows that run the missions. The folks on the foreign field that suffer and put up with the hissing serpents. The world says, make yourself comfortable. God Almighty says, forward march. Comfortable. Imagine Paul and Silas in jail and Paul turned over and said, Silas, let's sing something. And the old jailer said, we've heard him cuss down there in that dungeon, but that's the first time we ever heard anybody singing down there. They must have something. Folks couldn't sing like that that didn't have something. Say, have you got something? You want to be comfortable? Listen. If your idea in life is to be comfortable, now you don't have to make yourself uncomfortable. You don't have to sleep on the floor if you have a bed to sleep on. There's no virtue, there's no virtue in deliberately picking on yourself. That's not Christianity. But it's a sin to sleep in a comfortable bed when you ought to sleep on the floor. 
Nothing wrong in staying home and having a nice bed, three good meals a day. Nothing wrong in that. Unless it keeps you from doing the will of God. Wouldn't you think that all the folks in this country would say, how does Bob Jones University get 1,100 preachers and 500 missionaries a year? We got all of our gang back of us and all of our organization. We can't get that many in any one school in the United States. If this school out here is making a lot of money, all the bankers would take a look at it. Why don't preachers look at it? Why don't these ecclesiastical bosses come out here and say, you know, I'd like to ask you, Brother Bob, they don't have to call me doctor. Don't call him brother, say, call me mister. Wouldn't you think they'd be out here saying, how do you do that? How's your organization function? If it was a worldly business, they would. If this was a, a finishing school where we taught you how to powder your nose and paint your lips and fix up and dress, and we had 3,000 people taking a beauty course out here, what do you call them, beauticians? Is that the right name? Are they beauticians? Is that the name? Oh, you know. What's the name of them? Beautician? <laughs> They'd say, well, how in the world do they get that many people? That must be great business. Strange, isn't it? No. No, it isn't strange. It's always been that way. Present your body as a living sacrifice, God says. World says, coddle your bodies. God says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By renewing your minds. So he can prove something to the world. Young people. He didn't say there wasn't any child of his that was never as wise as the children of the devil. God's always had a few children, but as a whole, they're not as smart as the devil's gang. That is, they don't live up to what they know as well as the devil's crowd lives up to what they know. I want you students and faculty to help us keep this school a children of the light school. not a children of the generation of the world. And the only way we can keep it is with the emphasis we've been giving you at chapel this year. God has a will for your life and a job for you. And the only thing that counts is that. Listen. If you choose your job, you are not living like a child of light should live. My business is not to choose my job, 
My business is to be surrendered to God who chooses for me his place. And God won't let you down if you get on that plane. Let me say it again. My business in this world is not to choose my place. My business is to surrender to God and let God choose the place for me. And his place becomes my place. And in that place, carrying on with the right spirit, I'm living up to heavenly standards. What are you going to do about it? Our Father, we're ashamed of ourselves. We ought to be every last one of us, and we are. We're ashamed we've ever thought of life in the terms of comfortable living in easy places. And physical delight and intellectual delight. In our hearts, we are supposed to delight in the will of God and the law of God. Help us live up to our standards. We're told in thy word that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're told in thy word that we're to set our affections upon things above. We're to love the things above. Set our affections on them, hug them to our bosom. Walk with them, talk with them, fellowship with them, not upon things beneath. Lord God, we don't pray for these preacher boys to have big churches unless you put them there. We pray that every student in this institution, preacher, layman, girl, everybody here, may find the will of God for his life and her life and live up to God's standards. And Lord God, don't let us pull down those standards to the low level of this terrible, perverse generation in which we live. Help us while our heads are bowed right now to say, Here I am, God. I take the reins of my life out of my hands and hand them over to you. You can run my life from now. What you want, I want too. From now, henceforth. Keep us faithful and true, in this school faithful and true, never wavering. And instead of pulling the standards down, help us to lift them higher and, and magnify them and call the world's attention to them. And help this school to be what God called it to be. Not a place to get the approval of the world, but the place that, upon which heaven can look with approval. Keep us faithful and true in everything, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.